getting started. This is decades into uh, the early church. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. The, 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 the apostles have gone out into the earth and started churches and started ministry around the known world. But this is 19 chapters in to the book of Acts. And this is where we pick up. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. If you've read the New Testament, you've seen that Paul actually writes letters to the Ephesians. But right here we see he comes to the church at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. He found some Christians. He found some people, maybe like you here today, maybe like people all over this country who are going to church showing up for church, worshiping and singing, excited to be there, figuring out what's going on with this new thing. But he asked them a simple question, and I think I could ask the same question to any of you guys. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's the interesting thing, that these guys who were attending church, the Christians, the disciples there at the church, their answer is probably, maybe not exactly the answer that you'd give, but essentially it, it, it equals the same thing. They says, no, I have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so I think for a lot of people in church today, they have, they have an idea of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has been given a bad, I'm going to say label, or a bad, uh, the, he, bad marketing, because we say something is something, and then Everybody kind of assumes that, okay, that's what that is, but we don't have a real understanding of who that is. In fact, I think that uh, understanding who the Holy Spirit is will change your life. Last, uh, two weeks ago with, with week one, we talked about what does it even mean when the Bible says Holy Spirit, and the literal translation of that word is uh, like the, breath, the very breath of God or the, the act of, that's God breathing life. That's... That's the breath of God. Last week we talked about, I think, a scary word in a lot of churches, and that's the word Pentecost or Pentecostal, and it's as, it, as scary as it is, it literally means 50. So there's that scary word. Pentecost means 50. It's actually 50 days after Passover, Jesus ascends to heaven, and the disciples are waiting, and on that day is when God gave the church the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so... Sometimes words scare us or the ideas of things that we don't quite understand. Today I want to tackle another concept, another idea that we hear. Charismatic. And so automatically when you, when you hear those words like Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, uh, Pentecost, or charisma, you, something pops into your head. Because of the way that we were raised or the, because of the kind of church that you've gone to, you have ideas of what that may be. So my challenge for you this morning and uh, through this message, like the others has been, especially if you didn't go to the others or didn't hear the others, first go back and listen to them online. But let's start with a blank page. I think for every one of us, we don't want to be led astray. We're, we live in a world that's like fake news, fake news, everything's fake news. But I'll tell you this, that I believe that the Spirit of God can speak to you the same as He speaks to me. And if we'll open up the Bible, if we'll open up the Word of God and let Him show us, He'll lead us. He'll lead us into truth. He'll lead us to righteousness. And so that's my hope for you today is really that you don't hear what I have to say. I hope you can take what I have to say and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let, let God show you, illuminate what He wants to show you. And so uh, when it comes to the word charisma, we have a, 
almost like a taboo. Charismatics have, it's just one of those words. Even growing up, I grew up in a church, guys, where people could clap their hands. Like, I, I, I realize that even in the scope of this room, there are people, some of you guys are, you're kind of at toe tapping during worship. That's okay. Some of you have graduated to hand clapping or even raising your hands. I grew up in a church where everybody did, you do what you want to do. You want to clap your hands? You want to jump up and down and spin around or wave a banner or a tambourine? Hey, it doesn't even have to be on beat. Just do it. That, <laughs> we might have 10 different people with tambourines. They're all clapping to a different beat. That's not for me, but it's for somebody. And I can tell you that even us growing up in that kind of church, we had this idea that we're a little bit, we're like hand clapping crazy, but there's some really crazy Christians, really crazy, crazy people out there, and we kind of draw the line, but I want everything God has for me, but I don't want that crazy stuff. I remember whenever I was about 14 years old, my family, my dad, we had to go to, to, to West Virginia for, I don't know, six, six weeks or so uh, during one summer, and while we were there, we, I had always gone to the same churches, just, hey, we, we're I don't ever remember, like, going to church looking for a church. It was just we went to our church. But when we went to West Virginia, it was the first time I can ever remember we're, like, looking for a church. And so I remember I was driving around thinking, hey, there's a church, there's a church. Like, there's so many options, right? But being in the hills of West Virginia, some of you can already, you know where I'm going with this. We're, we're thinking, and the part of the conversation is, you know, we want to go to a church that we're comfortable with, and we're okay with hand clapping. You can raise your hands. You can shout if you want. Like, I still think we're going to do what we're going to do. Not everybody's going to do, not everybody's going to clap, but you do what you do, right? But we, looking for a church, we kept having this conversation. Uh, that church looks kind of weird. They might do some weird stuff, right? So we're not going to even attempt it. Or what's like something? We're not even going to attempt it. And so, even once we found a church, guys, we, we found a church, we go there for a couple of weeks, we were still having the conversation that, like, we would leave and think, I wonder if after we leave, they pull out snakes. Like, they're, they're some, like, we know there's some weird people out there, right? We don't want to cross that line and be pulled into something, quote, unquote, those charismatics. And so, I think this, I, I want to just head... Face it head on. I, I think that God has given the church some things that it's supposed to have, and yet because of misbranding and mislabeling, most of the church says, okay, God, I like these things because we can keep it right here between the lines, and I like, it, I like to understand, and it's controlled, and it's all within this little box. But God says, hey, some of the stuff I have for you is outside of what you can understand. Like the idea of something supernatural is something that if you, if you truly believe in a supernatural God and an all-powerful God, then you have, to have part of, you have to have your mind open to the, hey, God's bigger than me, and I'm never going to fully understand it. So if God has something for me, I want it. So let's, let's just talk for, for just a couple minutes at the beginning of the message. I want to I show you God's gifts to us. So there's three of them. If you've got your notes on the way in, you can write these down. If not, you can download the notes at the Version Bible app by searching Relate Community Church on your uh, iPhone or tablet, whatever you got there. But the first one, the first gift that God gave us is a free gift. You, don't, you can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You, can't, you don't deserve it. God gave us. It's a free gift of eternal life. Write that down. Eternal life. 
That's that moment where we say a prayer and say, God, I surrender to you. You can take my life. I want, I want to live for you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. That is a moment of transformation that I hope happens in every single one of our lives. But it happens, and it's free, and you can't, you can't do anything to make it happen other than accept it. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. If you've been involved in church for any length of time, you probably have read this verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gift that he gives us is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can't earn it. It's free. And watch this. Once you get it, once you have that moment, you can't wake up tomorrow and say, all right, now i got to work to keep it. You, 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 there's no amount of work that's going to keep you saved or make you saved. Because going to heaven is a free gift. Salvation and eternal life is something that you have almost no say in it. All you get to do is receive it or not receive it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. In other words, it's not from you. Not, no part of eternal life comes from you. It's something that you can accept. And the next two gifts, they, they have assignments attached. So God gives us eternal life and says, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to earn this. You don't deserve it. I've given it. In fact, you, you're the opposite of deserving it. You definitely don't deserve it, and you couldn't have it unless I gave it to you. But the next two gifts, they come with assignments attached to them. And the first one is the Holy Spirit. So God says, okay, here's the gift of eternal life. And then when Jesus leaves the earth, he says, hey, God's going to send someone, the Holy Spirit, the gift, a gift from my Father, someone who will stay with you forever. And then he tells them, when the gift comes, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here comes this gift. Like salvation, that baptized with water, that's one thing. We can receive it. I, I, I hope for every person in the room that you will get saved, you'll receive Christ as your Savior, that gift of eternal life, and then you'll be water baptized. But then something else comes after that. Like there's another part of it that is, is, it has an assignment attached to it. Next week I'm going to talk about... Um, what it looks like and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're wondering, how does this all fit together, come next week and we'll, we'll finish this series out with how do I be filled with the Holy Spirit. But this uh, word charismatic or charis in the Greek simply is referring to spiritual gifts, which is the third thing, the third gift that God gives us or category of gifts. With eternal, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit enables us, empowers us with spiritual gifts or divine enablements, meaning that he, something supernatural happens that he enables us to do things that are beyond us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul talks about it and says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. What does that mean? He's addressing the fact that there are a bunch of people, even when he goes to Ephesus and say, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Like there's people who are living in the church, living for God, but they're, 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 they have no clue what they're supposed to be doing. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Brothers, 
Like there's some stuff that you should know about. In fact, there are people in this world, Christians living, going to church every Sunday, working and, and, and doing everything they can, but they don't believe that there are spiritual gifts. In fact, there are, there are a category of people that we would call cessation, cessationists. Believing that when the apostles left this earth or passed on, that all the gifts stopped with them. And for almost 2,000 years, there haven't been any spiritual gifts. And I'll tell you this, that I believe that those gifts are still active and evident, and God is still empowering, and he is imbuing the church with every gift that we need. Last week, a lot that God gave the church a job so big that we need his help to do it. And the only way we can do the job is through the power of the Holy Spirit. If there has been a single spiritual gift in the last, since the apostles, just one, then that means it's not true that they don't exist. I believe they're everywhere. I believe that, in fact, it says if I ask for one, that I should desire all the gifts. But people get turned off by the packaging of the gifts or like how the gifts are used. In fact, I think it's not even all the gifts. There's 20, there are 27 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. I think that for most people, it's not even, it's not even 25 or 26 of them. It's just one or two. They're like, uh, I don't think so. Nope, that can't be. That can't be true. But here's the deal. If God gives the church the power to do the work that he's given us, and he says, I'm going to send you gifts, I'm going to send you comforter, I'm going to send you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is going to live in you and give you power. If God has something for me, I want it. Even if it, even if it doesn't like fit into somebody's procedural list of, he got to do it this way, or you have to dress this way, or you have to act this way. So if God has a gift for me, I want it. First Corinthians chapter 12, six verses later, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Here's that assignment that's attached to those spiritual gifts. Like, he says, I'm going to give you spiritual gifts, but along with the spiritual gifts comes the assignment that they're not for you. Like, I don't just use those spiritual gifts to make me feel good and to build my life. We're here for each other. The body of Christ is just that. It's the body of Christ. And in the New Testament, it talks about how we are each body parts. Like, one might be a hand, one might be a foot, one of us might be uh, ear or nose, eye or mouth, or the head, or like, uh, uh, the, there are pieces that have to work together. But what good is one without the other? Like, I can, I can have all the gifts in the world as a hand and say, wow, I'm an awesome hand, I don't need an arm, I don't need anything else. And But where does that leave us? That leaves us with a bunch of Wild West Christians that just run around doing their own thing and don't care about anybody else. We're supposed to fit together. I'm telling you right now that it's not just lip service that we talk about each, each month as growth track comes around. It's not just for no reason. It's not just a class you can go to to figure out if you want to join the church. It is that, but it's beyond that. The, main, the whole point of growth track is to figure out where you fit in not just this church, but the body of Christ. Like it, you, whether you believe it or not, you are a piece of the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, if you've had that moment of salvation, you are part. And if you're the hand to the body and you're not being the hand, it's like the body of Christ is lame. 
It's like pieces are missing that are supposed to be there. And we look at each other and all we do is point back and forth. And no, we're not supposed to do this. And we, have, we can't function together. I love when it says that, guys, we're still a part of the, the New Testament church. We're still doing the work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave him a job. He said, go therefore into all the world. Like he told him to preach, make disciples, baptize people. The job that he's given us to do requires. He said, he, he said, you'll be my witnesses in this city, in this area, like saying, hey, I'm going to give you everything you need to go out and to be my witnesses in the city of Spring and Texas and the United States and the whole world. We're going to change the whole world, but you need the Holy Spirit. You need everything that God has in order to do that. And you need to work together to do it. The crazy thing is that after the early church was set up, they, 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 they were doing it the right way. In fact, the early church was so shocked, even the disciples, they had arguments back and forth about who's allowed to do what in the church. And Jesus had to tell them, and Paul had to tell them, look, the Spirit of God is being poured out on all of us. In fact, you know, the most shocking thing to them was that, that God was not just willing to pour His Spirit out on Jewish people. Because like in the Old Testament, God would choose one person. God choose a prophet or a priest, and that's who I'm going to pour out my spirit on. That's who I'm going to work through. You see that like in, in Samson or, or, or David or, or any of the prophets where God wants to say something, he picks a person. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And now it's not just Jewish people. It's Gentiles. It's all the people who weren't Jewish. It's all, it's like saying that God could use anybody, and that, that ruffled a lot of feathers. And so they, they, they started the church with this idea that it's not just about one person standing up on the stage, but quickly got back away from that. They started choosing one person. This was the, the, the chosen one. It's crazy how we like to do that as humans, where we like to have one person say, nope, it's all you, pastor. In the 1500s, uh, people really started reading their Bibles and they had what was called the Protestant Reformation where people started saying, okay, it can be on anyone. God, God, can, God can work through anybody. It doesn't have to just be a priest. And in those days, they had what was called the clergy or one who reads. Like that was the guy who stood up and he's the, he's the chosen one that God has chosen this guy. And everybody else was layman, laity. They just did not, they, they didn't function as operating in the power of God. And th see, that's the problem. Even in the, the Protestant Reformation, they said, okay, no, it, it's not just one person, but even through this uh, revival, it quickly went back to, hey, we need to have one man. We need to have someone who's in charge of God's word and someone who can tell us all how to live. And we go back and forth from this freedom where God can use you. And even now in the church in the United States, there are lots of people who come to church and think, oh, well, the pastor's a special guy. He hears from God, and God can use him, and he has special, but he can pray in the rain. Can, like, that's not it, guys. Like, God can use me, but he can use you the same way. I'm not anything special. And from the moment we started this church, everybody needs to know that I'm here because I want to use the gifts that God has put in me, but I also believe that God put gifts in you, and that I can't do those things. Like, we have to work together. I'm not somebody who's special and set aside, and I'm not like a, 
You, you don't put me on a pedestal or anybody else who stands on the stage. Because if anything, I'm just another person who's gone through the growth track and figured out what my gifts are, figured out what God put in me. I'm trying to use those gifts. I'm just another person on the dream team. And that's how it should be. We should be working together as the body of Christ. I, it's a perfect example. When we started, I said, okay, God, if you don't send someone who it is their gift and their passion, they are, they are it fulfills them to lead worship, then we're not going to have a worship leader. And two and a half, three weeks before we started the church and in this, this building, we didn't have a worship leader. But when someone came along, I don't want to just check boxes and say, hey, let's find someone to work in the nursery. Let's find someone to work with kids. Let's find someone to do this and this and this and this. No, I think that God sends the right people who fit together, who some are meant to do this and some are meant to do that. And that's why people go to growth track so they can figure out, okay, I don't want to just get a roster for people who work, on the nur work in the nursery. There are people working down there right now. And if we don't find someone who loves to change baby diapers, I'm telling you, I'll just tell you out front, that's not me. I, I don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I want to change some diapers. <laughs> but there's someone who does. There's some moms who just love babies so much that they're, they're working for God to change diapers. And that might not be you. But the same goes true for all the way around the church. This is a definition of what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. That is something beyond what we're capable of doing. It's not a, like a, it's not a talent. It's not because you have a special skill set that you just happen to be able to sing. Jason and... Uh, the worship leaders, they all sing great. But I didn't go looking for people. Hey, can you sing? You're a worship leader. Because <laughs> I think there's some people who God's put it in them. It's like their gift is, they wake up in the morning and worship is their thing. Same thing for the kids department. If we don't have that, if we don't have that person who it, it fulfills their life to work with kids and train them up and show them God's word. and Like we need those people. That's why we're not just, because I'm not putting someone there just because we need somebody. Because then what happens is we're asked to do something that, like, let me just give you a disclaimer. There's going to be a time when God needs you to do something you don't want to do. Or when God asks you to step out of your comfort zone and do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Because that's the, that's the story of humanity and God saying, all right, come on, come a little bit further. I'm ready. It's time to take a step of faith. But... It's not where you step into the nursery and become the, the nursery worker forever. Or, or what happens? You start resenting. I'm not fulfilled. This is not what I was made to do. You see our dream team members that have the t-shirts that say, I was made for this. That's, that's the point. You got to figure out what it is that you were made to do and then do it. And that's the thing that you can do forever. That's the thing that when you do it, it's like you're doing it for God and it fulfills you. And that looks different for every person. The key is figuring out how we all fit together because one is a hand and one's another hand. We're all different pieces. That's why Growth Track exists. So to understand spiritual gifts, 
and what that looks like, here's, I need you to understand a couple of things. I need you to understand what we do with them. Number one, you need to discover the gifts God has given you. Like the stuff he's put in you, you, you have to discover it. It's there to be discovered. There are things in you hidden. When I was uh, a teenager and even in my 20s, I was not a speaker. I was not, I'd like to stand on stage to do a written report, like a, to, to, to write a report and then to read it in front of class in high school. I was like deathly, aff- it, it made me so ang- anxious and anxiety and to the point of like physical illness where I needed to go throw up, throw up. I could not. You would not believe that about me seeing me today. And it's not because I've done anything special. It's because God's worked in me. So whenever I see me now, and I see that I used to couldn't have a conversation with people in, like in a circle. We get three or four or five people. Everybody's talking. Hey, what do you think? Mm, I don't think anything. <laughs> I, don't, mm, I don't care. Right? That was me. So I know what God's done in me. God's worked. And like whenever I've said, God. Use me anyway. He said, okay, do this. And I, nope, not, not, that's not me, God. Use me with something else. But discovering who God made me to be. That's why whenever I look at every single one of you, it's the greatest thrill of my life to watch you take a big step of faith and win. It's the greatest thrill of my life for you to discover who God made you to be and to, to use that gift and to become active in the kingdom of God. Romans 12, verse 6, when... We have different gifts according to the grace given. I, I didn't create a, a track that all of us will. First, you got to take step one, and then you got to do what everybody else did. Like all of our journey, your journey of faith is different than in a place where we can say, okay, we fit together. We're supposed to be doing this. And it might, might like, I'm the first to tell you that your place might not be at this church, but it's at a church. I 100% believe that we are, we are made to fit together as the body of Christ, as the church. And not just, uh, I'll say, we say the capital C church, like the church all over the world. Sure, we're all meant to fit, but you are meant to fit within group, a, a community of people that you can share your life with, that you can do life with. And it might not be relate, but it's somewhere. <laughs> so if you're here today, you're still trying to figure out, hey, is this, is this my church? Maybe not. But it's somewhere where you can get plugged in to a community of people that depends on each other, where you can learn to trust each other. And believe me, I know that's hard. But it's when that amazing thing happens that now we start walking, not just in salvation, but healing. We learn to trust each other. We, we learn to depend on each other. And the body fits together. Not that we all have to know what each other is doing. But I believe that we are better together. A friend of mine, uh, Lang, some of you may have met him, Lang Cassidy, is, uh, he, he told me early on, sitting in church one day after church, he came up to me and said, Pastor, I have, a, I have something I need to do in me. And uh, he told me how he was, used to be homeless and he had, he had been on the, the streets for a lot of years and, and uh, he began to describe his, how he wanted to help homeless people. And I said, Lang, I don't know how to help you. I, that, that world is so foreign to me. Like whenever... I don't understand when I see homeless people or thing, things on the street or I, I would go with, he would show me like, like these people, they live here and then show me tents and like I dr- drive with him. He, I just, it, I couldn't get my mind around it. 
And one day he said, I have an idea, and I'm going to, this is crazy. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep for three nights. I'm going to stay in a dumpster, and I've already got the dumpster figured out, and I'm going to raise awareness, and we're going to raise money. And I was like, Lang, I'm not staying in the dumpster with you. You're, that, <laughs> that's not my gift. You go, <laughs> and I'll help you however I can. So with, <laughs> it was crazy. Within those three days, all of a sudden, the radio station there, there's people all over the place bringing him things to give homeless people. I thought, brother, that's your gift. And from that moment, that's been probably, I don't know, seven years. It's been a long time. And so now he goes probably five times. He has one of the last time I checked, 13 different uh, from, the, from the Houston City Council. He has one of the 13 certificates to give away to prepare food and give away to homeless people. He goes down probably five or six times a week at least. And even when my kids were younger, we would go down there and I would see, wow, this is incredible. I would like cry my eyes out and see the need that is being met and how God's using him. And then we'd have the kids with us and I would just, there would people come up like literally insufficient, like wardrobe malfunction. I'd tell the kids, cover your eyes. <laughs> don't look we're here for a reason gift blank but i'm going to use my gift and there are gifts within this room people you have something in you that god wants to use and it shouldn't be for the benefit of this church but it should be for the benefit of the kingdom of god and it's not for the benefit of you it's for the benefit of the body of christ and what god's trying to do in the world we are so mistrusting of people and of other Christians, and it's for a good reason. People have taken advantage of us, and people have lied to us, that we don't trust anybody, and so we remove ourselves from the system that God created for us to fit together. And I'm telling you, at some point, we don't have to trust each other, but we have to trust God. Psalms chapter 139 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He made you to fit the mission that he, that he created for you. If you can imagine yourself that God had a plan for you, God didn't make you and then look to see how you were made and say, okay, I got the perfect job for you. Because that's kind of how we think. We think, well, I have this skill and this skill, this skill. It must be, the, must be that I could do this job with these three skills. That's not how God works. God says, I have this mission that needs to be done. Let me create somebody and give them exactly what they need to fit that mission. God knows who we are. He fits us together. He makes us. Before we were ever born it says as we read on i praise you because i am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well how many of us can say we know that full well i think for a lot of us we look like if if i look at myself one of the one of the hardest things that i struggle with up for for 30 years 20 years is the insecurities of seeing myself and not seeing me how god sees me I see myself and compare myself to other people, other pastors, other anybody, and just say, uh, God, I don't know how you could, like, I don't, I don't think so, God, because I know what I am. I don't know what your insecurities are. We have to get to the point where we can see past our own insecurities and say, okay, God, you made me, you made me fearfully and wonderfully, and you created me for a purpose. All right, I trust you. And he says, all the days... 
ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God was writing your story before you were ever born. And some of us have taken the pen and started writing our own story. And some of us, we can look back at our life and say, man, I know that's not God's story for me. That's a bad couple chapters. Some of you are in the middle of a chapter that you can't even imagine how God could bring you back around to any kind of, pr- <clears throat> any kind of purpose, any kind of fulfillment, like all the, all the promise of, of purpose and destiny that, I, that I'm saying and I talk about and we talk about all the time at Relate. You just can't. But here's what happens. God has a way that no matter where you're at in the chapter, when we surrender and let him start writing it, it's like, boom. He, can, he makes everything line back up. And then it's like, I, I say this all the time, but it, it, it is the literal truth. If you will just say, God, okay, God, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to do, I'm just going to throw myself into your work. I think for some of you that probably means I'm just going to go to church when, when, when the doors are open. I'm going to be involved in small groups and dreams. I'm just going to do everything. Like throw yourself into it. And then two or three months later down the road, six months down, if you'll give God a year, you'll, you won't even recognize your life. You'll turn around and say, how did I get here? Because I know what, my, I know what story was being written. I know how that chapter was going. But it's amazing how he just turns it all around and he begins that supernatural work. That's why for those of us who have been down that road and been walking, down, walking by faith, we look at our life and all of a sudden we say, I know I didn't do that. I did not write this story. Only God could have wrote this story. Write this down. God's design for me reveals God's destiny for me. God's design for me reveals God's destiny for me. How he made you reveals that thing that he wants you to do. Number two, develop the gifts God has given me. Not only do we have to discover them, but you got to, God doesn't just put things in there. You figure out what they are, and then boom, you're done. Like a microwave. Beep. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how walking by faith goes. No, we figure it out. We discover it. He reveals to us. What we're supposed to be, those gifts are there, and then we got to start developing them. He tells us to mature. He wants us to be mature believers. But a part of that maturing, a part of that not just discovery, but the development of those gifts is that sometimes the gifts change. You know, step two, they did this last week. The second week of growth track, every month, you sit down, you take your personality test, spiritual gifting test, you look at those, like if there are 27 gifts that God says, hey, I want to give the church these gifts, like we need to get you into a situation and into an atmosphere where not only do you see what those 27 gifts are, but see how do you fit there. We need to put you into that atmosphere where you can say, hey, God gave me the gift of helps or the gift of uh, mercy or the gift of grace or the, like the gift of faith. Like whatever the thing is, you need to figure out what it is and then start to develop it. And sometimes you start off with one thing, and then you go a few steps down the road, and, it's some, and then all of a sudden, here comes reveals. Here's another, more gifts. In fact, it's just like whenever we're faithful with one thing, God gives us two. We're faithful with five things, he gives us ten. Some of us, some of you might start, and the, the first thing that you do is, you might be an usher. Hey, I'm telling you right now, you can pass out stuff. You can... Shake people's hands. Even you don't know what to say. 
But maybe your gifts, I think I'm ready to, to be used in a greater measure. There's something else in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So there's some you don't even know they're there yet. Another version of the Bible uses the word covet, that we, we should covet the spiritual gifts. Like we should want them, even though we don't have them, that we should pursue them. It's not all about the gifts. It's about our relationship with God, but those certainly come on. Some of you guys have gifts, spiritual giftings that are laying dormant inside, and you might even know they're there. You knew they were there at one point, and at some point you just... I'm going to put this one up on the shelf for a little while because I'm just, I'm not ready. We're not ready. I don't know, God. Maybe it's time that you pull it off the shelf. The thing is, no matter where you are in that process, you can turn right back around and God can bring you back to on track. He can take you to a place where, hey, you're right back being led by him and used by him. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. Like, you gotta, you gotta grow it. It's like building a fire. It starts small, but you, you're the one that fan it. <laughs> let's, make, let's make something here. Finally, number three, use the gifts that God's given me. You have to discover them, right? Develop them, and now use them. Like, you can't just sit in church and listen. Well, I'm not ready, Pastor, because I don't know enough about the Bible. That sounds reasonable, so it works most of the time. But what did Moses say whenever God said, hey, I need you to go talk to Pharaoh. We're going to do this. Moses said, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. I can't speak well enough. I'm not good enough. <laughs> so even though it sounds good, it's the oldest excuse in the book. I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. You know what the truth is? The ugly truth about ministry? Nobody's ready. I've met some people who have more degrees after their name, and trust me, they're not ready. None of them. I'm not ready. You're not ready. You don't know enough about God, but you know what? You know what enough is? Enough is when you say, okay, God, I know I'm not ready. In fact, I think God likes to use people who say they're not ready and don't believe they're ready more than anybody else. I'm not saying you have to feel that way. Because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get pumped up and hyped up. Let's go do it. I love to be with people who say, all right, let's, let's do this. God has something for you to do. you got to use the gifts. Write down that number three. Use the gifts. Not too long ago, I sat next to um, a long family friend of ours who was a pastor and um, spoke into Angela and I, into our lives, even our kids' lives, and um, as he was, I'm going to say, maybe almost 70 years old. He traveled all over the world doing ministry and seeing people saved and starting churches. And we sat at his bedside the day before he passed. All kinds of pastors and people coming through the house. And as we sat there, literally with his dying words, he charged us and challenged us and said, use the gifts. Do the work. You're doing amazing. Encouraging us to go advance the kingdom of God. Like do what God's given us to do. Calling people, texting people until his very last breath. That challenges me to in the time that I have left, what, how much time have I wasted? 
God's given us this thing to do. God says, my kids are lost. My, my children are lost and they can't be found. And all you're worried about doing is getting together with the, the, with the kids who have been found and having a party. Like, go out and find the lost ones. I can tell you this right now, that if my, if my kid was lost, Grace is right here on the front row. If she was lost and I didn't know where she was, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be looking for her. And yet, God says, why are you hanging out and having a party and you haven't found my kids yet? 1 Peter 4.10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. This is the final thing I want to show you. Relate exists to take me on a spiritual journey. Not, not just me, but you. Like, everything we do is designed to take every person that walks into this place, or even you guys who are watching online, to take us through this spiritual journey to first and foremost to know God, to find freedom. Like, after you realize, have this relationship started with the almighty God, then you need to find freedom. There's some stuff in you that needs to be taken out, that needs to, like the hurt and the pain and the injuries, the sin of this world. There's some things that are holding you back. And number three is to discover purpose. Like figure out what you were made to do and, and start doing it and making a difference in someone else's life. My hope for every one of us is that we can make that journey of faith to where we're making a difference in this world. Not just for ourselves until we're, uh, until we're finally able to say, you can write this down, I was made for this. I don't just desire that for me or for the people who stand up on this stage. I think for every single one of us in this room. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear Lord, we, we believe that you are real. We believe that your, that your power is real, that you have empowered us to do your work. God, that you want to know us, that you are God with us, that you have given us your Holy Spirit, that we might know you, that we might have communion with you, that we might have a relationship with you, that we might not only pray to you, but also hear your voice. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of not following you. Forgive us for not following you in the past. Today we make the commitment that we want to live for you. We want to be used by you. Whatever gifts you have for us, we want them. And we want to do your work in this earth. There are those in this room. If you're that one who has said, you know what, story that that's been written in my life is not the story I want. I want God to write my story. If you're that one that says, I'm ready to, to surrender to God this morning, I'm ready to give my life to God and see what he'll do with it. I'm tired of running away. I'm tired of being far from God. I want to be close to God. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. And if you want to say that prayer, if, you, if, you, if you're that one person, say, I want to be included in that prayer with every head bowed, and every eye closed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. 
but with nobody looking around, if you want to be included in that prayer and surrender your life to Jesus today, would you put your hand up right now in the air and just tell God, I want to be included in that prayer. I want to give my life to you today. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Would you say this prayer with me? Every person in the room. Maybe you've you've already said this prayer a thousand times before. Would you say it with me again today? And those watching online today, would you say this with me? God, I thank you for Jesus. I'm tired of writing my own story. God, I want you to write my story. Come into my life. Today I surrender to you. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand and welcome every single person who said that prayer today. If it's you online today, we welcome you and are excited that you joined the family of God today. If you said that prayer for the first time in this room or online, I would love to know about it. But you have a no-hassle guarantee. I'm not going to come to your house if you fill out the Connect card and say, I gave my life to Jesus today or click the the, the link online. If, if you do that, I'm not going to come to your house. I'm not going to call you. What I want to do is I want to send you some stuff in the mail. So I'm going to invite the ushers to join me, and we're going to prepare for the offering. And the band is going to join me on stage because we're going to worship with one more song as we close. But I promise you, the main, the, the, a lot of people give online. The instructions for that are going to come up behind me. But I promise you, the main reason we pass the buckets is because I want to know if you gave your life to Jesus today, I want to know about it. That's the, the most into a brand new life and start walking by faith with God. And I have a book for you, a packet for you. It's very, very exciting. If you have decided that Relate is your home church, I want you to go ahead and prepare your tithes and offerings. I don't ever ask you to give or tell you what to give. I just tell you, look, that's between you and God. I thank you from the bottom of my heart that we are a church of generous people and that all of the things that you have enabled us to do throughout this city and continue to do. It's not not a one-time thing. I thought when we helped with, uh, when we, th- this church was started like in the middle of trying to help people with, with Hurricane Harvey. I I was so thrilled that we were able to do stuff. Just a couple of us that were there, but we haven't stopped doing that. We haven't stopped helping people literally everywhere we can. And so for every dollar that's put into the offering bucket today, you can know that it's going to transforming people's lives and seeing people's lives change. If this is not your church, you're just trying to figure out, hey, what's God doing? Just checking it out. We're thrilled with that too, but we don't expect you to give. We expect, hopefully, that this services our gift to you but we're going to pray over the offering and in just a moment we're going to uh, worship one last time together before we dismiss you so uh, would you just pray by faith with me today and if you're at home watching I want to say a prayer of blessing over you and ask God to receive our gifts and to multiply them Lord we just take we thank you that you have blessed us that you have poured out your favor on us and that you have begun to do great and mighty things through this church and God, I can't imagine what else you want to do in the full scope and magnitude of how we can reach this city and see lives change. We love you. We ask you to receive our gifts this morning as worship and use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship when you stand up on your feet.